0: Hello and welcome to the Ziggy Thesis Podcast. This is episode 44, in which we're covering chapters 3 and 4 from uh, part 3, Skyhitchtuck, from book 2, uh, Adulted Rights of the Zone Genesis Trilogy by Octavia Butler. Uh, and I am joined on my uh, floating sentient male spaceship <laughs> by my co host,
1: Michael Glinka, Hi, everyone. You're very natural now in saying, you know, all those Onkali names. Like you're literally a natural, almost native in Onkali language, Richard.
0: <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> but we, we don't go, have enough Onkali to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, at least of the names, but God, there's a. I think, uh, yeah. At some point, we'll be introduced to more and more names, and it's just it's getting hmm. difficult. <laughs>
0: Yeah, actually, perhaps we should say we're we're uh, we're pre-recording. Um, yes. Uh, 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 what is it? Three episodes. Yes. Um, this weekend because it's, it's the, Christmas, the Christmas holiday. Break. So,
1: yeah, yeah <laughs> we will be basically away from our usual setup. So we're doing a pre-recording sessions for three episodes ahead. So they're released on time.
0: Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Release interval remains as as ever, every other week.
1: Yes. You wanted to clarify oh, yes. something from so the last. I had episode.
0: one uh, minor point of clarification. I, I I think I may have misspoken. I wanted to just clarify that about naked mole rats. So we mentioned them in the last episode, and I can't remember whether or not what exactly it was that I said. But I think I may have implied that it was just one sex that is the um, the worker morph in the naked mole rat colonies. It's a mix. There's oh, both okay. males and females that are kind of uh, have suppressed sexual maturity. Uh, the colonies are typically one queen and between one and three uh, sexually mature males, and the rest. Oh, are,
1: okay. I was going to ask. mix. I was going to yeah. ask how many um, males are there.
0: One, one, one to three-ish, um, and then if if the queen dies, then uh, typically one of the females is capable of maturing into um, a, a queen. It okay. can take a little while before that happens, and there's often some kind of scuffling and jostling for position in the colony while that happens. I
1: was, yeah, actually. I guess there's gonna be some competition for the. Uh, queen position Oh mm-hmm. not even yeah. rhymed
0: no, Actually the <laughs> that's good. Uh, The other thing I, that had put Naked mole rats on my mind was that uh, The research institute where I work now has uh, Some mole rat colonies which is a Good fun the, the Waiting Jane for Resonick the selfie a PI. with the mole rats <laughs> <laughs> Yeah i have to go and uh, see if I can Visit them um, I, I've seen them once before from uh, some of Chris Fawkes's colonies from, from uh-huh. Queen Mary's at, uh, When he had them at the Royal Institute in London um, And they're kind of um, they're kind of ugly cute. <laughs> I mean really, to be yeah. fair,
1: you know those um uh what's the name of the cat species that has no hair? Um I, I
0: think they're more cute than the cat that doesn't have any hair. They're still disgusting. <laughs> to be honest with you. I'm
1: sorry. I, it's just like anything that's without <laughs> hair just ugh.
0: Yeah, the the hairlessness is, is pretty strange. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I it's such a weird thing because hair is such a crucial like um Organ in a way for a lot of animals, especially cats and.
0: Hmm. But I mean the 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 mole rats have a super weird ecology, right? They basically live yeah. entirely underground, um, yeah. and they don't really need it for thermoregulation. They they was uh, what's the phrase? Uh, poikilothermic. Um, so they, they kind of don't have like full temperature regulation. They can the the they will vary their body temperature with the surrounding temperature, right? Um, they have a little bit of ability to to sort of push that in one direction or another, but it's limited. Um, okay. And of course they're up there underground, so the temperature variation is normally Much. pretty low. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very strange
1: animals. Hmm. Fascinating. It's cool. It's nice that you'll have uh, if you have a chance to take a picture. I want I want to see. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll have to ask if I can go visit the colonies at some point.
1: Sure. Sure. <laughs> Although, mm. if it's a for science, like, just for everyone, if, if it's for science, going to be probably in the animal facility where you have to have a permission, you have to, you know, have some sort of, at least, uh, some introduction to animal handling, or at least, you know, um, they'll have to do some checks before you even, like, enter the building, knowing life.
0: Mm, yeah, probably. I, I don't know. I'll have to find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No.
1: No, not no. Let's maybe go to the chapter. Yes. Uh, prediction. So for my chapter three prediction, I basically wrote Akin is you know going walking back with uh Achis to the village. And also though he doesn't really want to, you know, he's going to say his goodbyes to people. Um I, I wasn't certain uh what what will happen, you know, those those things are hard to predict without any insensitive any sort of like suggestions from the chapter before but hey hmm. i was sort of a, a right in a way uh
0: yeah i mean it, you had a fairly <laughs> a fairly uh b- broad one right it's just yeah go back to the village and stuff so, yeah. yeah
1: yeah so i guess let's let's get to it
0: yeah let's get to the summary
1: so a feast was prepared for both akin and his sibling tkutkak is that correct tkutkak
0: um i think it's Tikuchak, i think tkuchak. okay um
1: yeah and although people were enjoying it, Akin was just basically trying to endure it. Um, and as the party was progressing, one of their sibling, Margit, came to Akin and showed to him that her hand, a usually seven-digit palm, had now only five fingers. Being on the verge of metamorphosis, Akin looked at her and asked if it hurt, but the only thing she felt was sleepiness um it made akin almost cry considering the, the fact that when he comes back she will be after the metamorphosis and probably even with children and uh, Tikchak joined them and when akin showed margit's hand the sibling cra- cried for the changes that will miss them and as the conversation continued lilith joined and when she saw what happened to margit's hand she pulled them to show uh she pulled them to show others to others
0: hmm, yeah becomes uh a party for for her too, yeah,
1: <laughs> celebration of metamorphosis, um mm. although can you imagine like going through my office and you're like really sleepy because your body is doing all those like important things changes, and you're like, I just really want to go to sleep, and then like everybody's pulling you into party, like come on, <laughs> so <laughs> inconsiderate, oh, <laughs> um, how many times <laughs> did it happened during university anyway, um <laughs> Akin and Tikutak got up together. They acted in unison in the same way paired siblings would, but the phenomenon always startled them and never gave, co- gave comfort as it would to the properly bonded siblings. But alas, they were moving together towards their oldest sister, Aya, who was the, an oldest construct adult-in-law. She already had experienced all the things they were ha- that were happening to Margaret, so she was the best means to discuss this. They sat on either side of her, she merely tangled her sensory tentacles with uh, Tikchak, but Akin uh, had only his one in his mouth, and although the wizard liked it because it was not visible, it was awkward to connect with Don Kali. But Ayer pulled him under her arm and used her body tentacles to connect him with him. <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> I can certainly see how that would be um inconvenient. <laughs>
1: yeah, you have to like literally just stick your face into somebody's like body, and it's just like, yep, yeah, that's 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 hmm. the way it is. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Mm.
1: <laughs> not, 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 uh, it, 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 I can imagine give it in our society it would produce probably, um, quite mixed reactions.
0: Yeah. Just kind of, uh, yeah. It, 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 licking people in, in <laughs> like, inappropriate ways. I wasn't
1: going to say that, but yes, that's, that's, ex-
0: <laughs> Seems, I mean, it's more or less a necessity. Uh, yeah. If that's, you know, no. But, I mean, the, um, I suppose for the Orancali, it's, it's a bit less odd, because they, they have all of these strange
1: yeah, combination I guess, creatures yeah.
0: with uh, tentacles in unusual places.
1: But st- still... <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. So this is a bit of an excerpt from the book. We don't know what will happen to us, both he and Tikuchak said in Silent Unison. It was a cry for fear from, from both of them, and for Akin, also a cry of frustration. Akin wanted to go to all the resistor village, giving examples of Chinese, Igbo, Spanish ones made of people from different countries, Hindu, Swahili, all different ones. Mm. So many resistors, yet there were so many more. And we are also told that Akin was driven out of one of them because of his skin color. Uh, just so the it was English speaking one. Surprise, surprise. He didn't understand that and was too afraid to ask anyone in law why it happened. Um there was a village that committed a group suicide by drinking poison. No one knew where the, uh, where those people were, but everybody heard about it um,
0: mm. no, it seems like the uh, <laughs> human uh, insanities of various stripes have survived yeah. this whole affair you know racism and cult like group suicides basically yeah doing well post- apocalypse.
1: I mean to be fair, I understand the uh, the for like this, you know, the suicide one because I guess if you're this um desperate and you kind of like people just decide to go on the other the way, but the one when you know that literally mm. aliens exist and uh, I I mean you know what let's let's skip on that <laughs> yeah <see. laughs> it's like. <laughs>
0: No, racism still persists even when there are actual aliens uh, when uh, whom you could be, uh, you know, grouping up with your fellow humans against. Yes, yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, it... Okay, fine. <clears throat> cool.
1: <laughs> well done. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but to be fair, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. Um, mm. But there was still a resistance he didn't meet. So many ideas or stories he could learn, but now not possible. Would there be any humans left to save when he was finally old enough to have his opinions respected and would he still look human enough to persuade them? Um, He wasn't even sure if this would bring any change. The Onkali wouldn't do anything to stop him as long as they didn't consider it harmful, but if there was no consensus, they would not help. Akin didn't intend to give humans a ship. They would not be able to communicate with it and ship would reject them if there was no trade. And I think also it says in the book that, you know, humans still thought that they were using ships with metal parts, so...
0: Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's stealing one of the Oankali ships is definitely doesn't... From what we learn about the ships in, the, I think, the next chapter, it really doesn't seem like it's a strategy that's no. gonna make any sense.
1: absolutely. No. But no. as Akin was lost in his thoughts, I told both of them they need to work together. They need to cooperate, even though they missed their chance to bond. But there is a chance to heal. I asked Tkuchak why he wants to go to the ship and T didn't respond, but they received a strong negative feeling from it. I thought that Tkuchak wants to go uh, because there are no resistors there. But there's also the fact that Ages and T will be a female, but T wants to be a male. Um, so that's interesting. like. Well, I, th- I think
0: it, it seems like um, Tika Trek's a little undecided about what yeah. um, sex it, it wants to be at this point, um, and it can more or less choose, but it, it's kind of guaranteed to go down the the male path if it goes to the the ship. Yeah, I mean the female um, female path goes yeah. to the ship, right? Um, yes. Um, but, and yeah, that, that was a, an interesting. I I, uh, I think I'd remembered this from before and kind of half forgotten where it came from, but yeah, that. This was the good um, question today. Do we know whether or not the uh, the children know whether what sex they're going to be after metamorphosis? Um and I think it's the, the Owen Kali and all the, the more more Owen Kali like constructs don't necessarily know. But it like in the case of Akeem, he did know he would yeah. be male. Um, because he, he was, was designed like to be male. More human like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um and the thing is in here, just um to continue a bit um, so if so um, if tichan wants to be a male i suggest that he should it should stay on earth and spend time with dichan and tino male parents and his female siblings mm-hmm. and his its mm-hmm. body will respond to that change so it seems that it's depends also on the environment how for the onkali who they become, the Eka, the children, the sexless children will become, depending on their, their sur- sur- surrounding.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, what, what are the available, um, you know, mating opportunities, effectively. Basically, and Very yeah. much like the system, as we've described before, yeah. with the the fish and, and the naked mormorites you mentioned at the top of the show, yeah. where uh, they, they lose the queen, then, you know... Uh, uh, a female will mature to be the queen because there's lack of whatever was suppressing yep. it. And so it's just this sort of environmental responsiveness yep. to uh, various stimuli.
1: But yeah. But it also wants to see it catch dark. And even though I suggest to weigh T wants to go with Akin. And I guess guesses that Tickjack wants to go to heal the old wound, the lack of sibling bond. Even though there's a chance that Tickjack will become a female because of it. When Akin asked, uh, was asked how he feels about it he tells straight on he does not want to try to go with him the attraction and yet the repulsion that he feels because of the lack of the bond made Ayer feel uncomfortable so she tried to calm them but it did nothing to calm their own confused feelings
0: hmm. there's an interesting bit in the there about the the way that they you know, they're kind of tightly bonded communication right there, yeah. sort of um, chemical communication almost that they do, or, or nervous communication they do when they're connected with their sensory tentacles. Effectively, they can't lie uh, Yeah, when they're doing that, right? So yeah, either they say stay like, silent
1: you know, or just...
0: Yeah, which, you know... <laughs> for the most part like if you're staying silent when asked a direct question then <laughs> then uh, you know you the can kind of infer the, yeah uh, yeah yeah so it's uh uh yeah uh, an interesting dynamic that they have uh, and I have, it's another one of the sort of aspects of roncalli's society that is really quite interesting because they, they would find it difficult to Lie and deceive one another if mm. they have this op- this this kind of option of a, a mode of communication that more or less makes that impossible. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, uh, it's one of the things that makes me think about what contributes to their kind of um, seeming political unity um, and stability over time is because Perhaps this uh, inability to deceive. Yeah, I think yeah, uh,
1: I think that's the big big part of it that there's you can't really tell mm. those white lies. Uh, mm-hmm. That often, you know, politicians are famous for, and mm-hmm. th- I guess that's the reason why they have such a successful consensus. Because you can't bullshit your way out; you have to have solid evidence for a lot of things to um, to make your decision on. So,
0: mm-hmm. and even just like the um, how you feel about a subject, right? Yeah. It, it comes through over the the connection that you make, basically.
1: Uh... Yep yeah
0: um the other thing on that section was i'm wondering if perhaps we've got kind of a um you know the, the oankali have this uh you know for them their normal biological pattern is to to mate with their siblings yeah and then in humans of course there's kind of you know there's the incest taboo which is you know much debated over the degree to which that is uh, biological and degree to which it's cultural and there's stuff about you know developmental yeah. um cues for it where like if you you grew up around someone from a, uh, a very young age then that kind of gets them categorized as being closely related to you but if you don't then you won't necessarily yeah oh, oh, lots of complicated argument over <laughs> the dip, what what exactly goes on with how that's calibrated and I mean how you know it's biological
1: I mean you know like hmm. in history there had to be a lot of incest because i mean if you have if you think calculate you know you you're there and you have your parents and your parents have parents and those parents are there, like eventually after a few generations like you will reach the point where the number of your people that would have to be on the planet exceeds of the total amount of human humanity humans that have ever really lived in the whole yeah, existence and, and, of by planet, so there was a loss of incest in the medieval times.
0: <laughs> but I say mo- most of the, um, like, for the for the most part, like the the sort of um, genetic, like negative genetic consequences from incest are primarily from like really close, you know, like yes, yes, sister, brother, uh, you know, parent-child type type relationships. Absolutely, like yes. Once you start getting out into cousins, it's not really so much of a of a problem. Um, especially beyond first cousins um and then uh yeah so I mean to be fair there it, was
1: like estimation that if you lived in a small town or like a larger village and you mm. stayed there for your whole life and you managed married someone marry someone to um from that uh, town or village as well there's a high chance that you're somehow related a few generations back with that person mm. if they also haven't moved from uh, from that area. So, I mean, you know, uh, not that I'm uh, promoting <laughs> incest, uh, although there's a lot of you know porn out of it. <laughs> but uh, uh, in in the theme of it, but you know, it's still estimation uh, number wise. Yeah, there would we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for things like this happening. So,
0: yeah, but it's the um, the. Um... The underlying genetics of that of uh, the, the problem that arises is, is if you have um, like rare tetrasomic um, mm-hmm. yeah. diseases yeah. that um, if you uh, mate with a close relative, you increase the probability that some that, that two of those rare alleles that would otherwise be recessive traits end up in the same child yeah, exactly. effectively that's kind of the, the
1: I mean we the, mentioned the, um, hemophilia life, specifically in the royal family mm. I mean that that's the most basic example of um, why gen- like generations upon generations upon generations of you know incest could lead to and I don't remember the mm. name of this family it was a lord family that they had these particular chins
0: the Habsburgs
1: yes yes that's their name yeah. yes um Mm. they have oof like you can tell it's the typical result of incestuous um basically mating because reproduction because bloody hell like with time it just gets worse and worse
0: (laughs) yeah definitely um pushing the boundaries of what is a, a good idea but now that's <laughs> but yeah, that's <laughs> but, yeah the, the point of that whole uh point, thing was that you know there's this tension between the Akinin. incest taboo yeah. in humans and the uh, incestuous relationships that are in normal in the oankali yeah. because they have the uloi so this is not a problem because they do genetic engineering just as, as, a, as a part of their normal reproduction so you wouldn't have any problems rare traits yeah. yeah yeah
1: so yeah um going back i broke contact with them told them they should go up together um, and find an sub adult Oloy. they should be able to help them akin isn't so wasn't so sure about it because it makes him think about like mating um but I chips in here with the human women uh that akin was with and he, you know he refuses it by by saying that they want him even though they know they can't have children with them so yeah akin is a it's a chad <laughs> uh but you know <laughs> anyway so the conversation ends here and both akin teachers stand up for looking for Nikanj and akin at that point, delivery pulled himself out of synchronization and went towards the Lilith instead. The lack of bond really affected them. When Akin would come back from his journey, Tikiya would go other to other families to so not to be near him. Humans did not realize how onkali and construct societies were made up of groups of two or more people. They did not know that when she refused to help him get back to law and because of that refusal Akin has never visited her again. That's interesting we're told that since mm. the many years have passed uh, since the whole Phoenix situation Akin has never once visited Phoenix again.
0: Yeah never gone back. It's uh... I wonder why exactly, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, I, I suppose he has uh, some kind of traumatic memories of the whole experience. No, no, but
1: the reason why, and he says specifically here because of that, because Tate did not help him when she refused to help hmm. him to go back to so he can bond with his uh, sibling. And hmm. the reason why he never is because he's holding a grudge against her, basically. Yeah. But yeah. Lilith was called out, you know, as Akin was walking towards it, Lilith was being called out to tell stories um, But she was just ignoring those calls, like, you know, everybody loved to listen to her, but um, It's time, this time she was tired and Akin came to say it, to her to say his goodbyes And she, as I said, she was t- She seemed tired thinking about Margit growing up and Akin and Tikjak going after the ship. But she knew that Akin needed to go, even though Akin hoped he could learn more about the resistors Lilith once told mm. him about that what she went through when he followed her on her one of when she was going for on, on her solitary tracks. Um, but Lilith told him he wouldn't be able to reach all of the resistance. He needs to learn about Kali. make the knowledge he has useful, and if he has ideas, he needs to use them. Mm.
0: Yeah, and I, I think it's a, a an interesting here to hear that uh, you know Akin getting Lilith's story, uh, understanding kind of what what she'd gone through with the whole uh, being. Uh, scapegoated by the yeah. uh, the humans that she was uh, tasked with waking up and the rest of it
1: yeah like basically she explained why her name is basically a taboo or a mm. um, reason to hate for hate uh, mm. because she was made to the scapegoat as you said
0: and as usual she gives some some solid advice uh, uh that uh, keen should should learn now as much as he can about the Owen Carley so that he has a good chance of in uh, you know, making his case to them yep and you know, she she thinks she was probably wise to have kept his his thoughts to us to himself for now uh which seems like it's the case uh, although it's a bit unclear what exactly talking about and what his thoughts about the resistors would have been mm. uh, for the rest of the Owen Carly i mean Maybe they would, and uh, I don't know, find that um, concerning. Keep a closer eye on him. Yeah. Regarded as some kind of a yeah, uh, a problem for him to have. Uh, I don't know, separatist ideas, of some kind.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, but to be honest, I can see why Akeen is the way he is because there's Lilith, there's her influence. Mm. There's Tino, and we know that mm. Tino has a great influence on um, on the kid. Mm-hmm. And all he thinks he experiences at, you know, two or three year old. All of it they they basically the Onkali, whatever is whatever is coming in next book or so, because uh, I don't think anything will happen in this book, but next book, the Onkali have basically made the lay down the path for themselves. Akin is going to be whatever reason, he's going to be the catalyst for whatever is going to happen. So and they made it that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say he seems to have been very uh, kind of well placed to to make the case for the resistors to the Orlonkali. Yep. Uh, to see whether or not that, uh, or how well that plays out.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the chapter ends with Vakin asking Lilith if she will come to the shuttle with him. To which she says yes. They both stand up and start heading to it and while some humans and constructs started to play music. And that's where, you know, that's where the chapter ends. Speaking of the humans and constructs started to play music, it says that the Onkali don't like playing music. The They, they just... It irritates them. I wonder why.
0: Huh. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Because it's like, oh, you know, like the here, there's a, a traveling... Construct band basically, that, you know, goes from village to village and like they play music and the humans and the constructs like it. But the Onkali themselves, they mm. just, you know, scatter away. They don't like the stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Given the resistors' ideas, they'll be using those um, uh, directed sound oh my weapon dudettes. God! Do
1: you remember <laughs> this old, old sort of horror, a space horror movie, sci-fi movie called Mars Attacks? Uh
0: no, I don't Oh think my so.
1: god, like we we're talking about oof. Um it's it's like a sort of comedy where they play this song, mm-hmm. like the aliens just Martians, came come to earth, like in they send a message, and then basically all oh, we come in peace, and then they start just killing everyone, like um uh, mm. indistinctively, and then some old lady is playing this music, and like when the alien comes into her house, it's its head explodes. And that's how they <laughs> how they fight them, basically because the music, the sound the guy, the the musician is producing with his voice is just mixing mm-hmm. their head up so I just imagine that. Just like you know, like Okay. Um, but in this mild case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Uh
1: um i'll send you i'll send you with the the image of those uh i'm sure you've seen this somewhere um
0: i've probably seen the 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 sequence. I don't, i've not seen the film yeah, yeah. i'm sure and
1: <laughs> like it's it's a really characteristic uh, more like alien and then i'll show you what music later on but like but it's okay uh, but yeah i just mm. imagine this were, yeah but those the
0: uh, like hyper directional speaker things are really uh impressive uh, you can the, the the sound basically is only like in you know, a straight line out from the speaker, mm-hmm. and you know you, you, I've, I've seen, I think I think if uh, I seen it? I can't remember if I actually saw one at a conference or something like that at some point where you have like one on the one on the ceiling and you basically can if you stand in like a box underneath it you can hear it if you stand outside of it you can't it's like really impressive. I remember
1: years ago when they t- started making them up like it was um as interesting as the guy who talked about it, sort of explained it in this way that, you know, light it can be a particle and a wave, so why can sound not like it. I remember this vividly, like he said those, this phrase uh, and I just said, it, I thought it was like, oh, that's interesting. But when I think about it, that's a really bad description of yeah, it. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good no, analogy at really all. No, it's a really bad analogy now when I think, you know, when I th- now think about it. Just, yeah. Sound and mm. light are completely two different concepts, man. But yeah, I think because I remember mm. this document, like like this documentary slide. I guess adds all things you can't really tell which what what was what uh, whether it was a mm. product placement or not. But yeah, I remember this this when he said, I was like, huh, okay.
0: Mm. But yes, we 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 got uh, sidetracked distant, yeah. into directional sound. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess let's go to my chapter four prediction. Yeah, let's do that. So I thought... I was a bit confused the last sort of part of the paragraph in the previous chapter, and I thought that Akin, Tikchar, Dichan, and Lilith are now going to go to the sh- in the shuttle go to, up to the ship, the main ship. Hmm. Um, but no, it was just the, the first three.
0: Yeah, I think Lilith was just, like, escorting yes. them to the shuttle yeah. and, and not going yeah. up to the ship with them.
1: But yeah, and I I think they're just going to travel, and then... But I don't know if it's... um if the travel with the shuttle like is going to be explained well i thought that that you no know, i thought to myself oh like nice mm. they're going to the, go to the shuttle and like maybe we'll be learn more about the propulsion like how the thing is going to you know start off and then, but we're not told anything so,
0: ah and well, we get some interesting little tidbits but but not uh no not <laughs> not much about how the actual propulsion yeah. system works yeah <laughs>
1: So, yeah, let's, I guess... Should we get, uh, get into the summary? Yeah, yeah, let's go to chapter for summary. So, Dichan went to ship with Akin and Tic-tac. Um Here's a bit of um quote from the book. The shuttle could simply have been sent home. It had eaten its fill and had been introduced to several people who had reached adulthood recently. It was content and needed no guiding. But Dichan went with them anyway. Akin was glad of this. He needed his same-sex partner more than he would have admitted.
0: Hmm. And uh, I thought that an interesting little bit here was... Uh, the ship had eaten its fill. <laughs> so the, the ship is eating.
1: Because in the, like, the chapter two, I think, when we are mm-hmm. told about the ship, it said that, like, it sets down and it sort of, like, starts munching around the flora and fauna around itself to, like, start collecting the genetic material. Yeah, it ends up
0: looking like a, a small hill, Basically, right? yeah. And it kind of cleans out the area around it. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange.
1: I can imagine that when they leave it, like there's just basically like a circle, um, basically a crop circle, but in exact in this case, like just ailing, you know, ship circle. It just there's no like any sort of even probably some because I remember some dirt also is being eaten. Like at some point they were mentioning that this this like when the law mm-hmm. becomes a ship, it will even eat the grounds a bit. So and the minerals, so it's probably like pretty barren area. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm I'm guessing just like a crater, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where the the ship was. That's uh, mm, kind of uh, with some fairly dead soil,
1: um, basically. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm. yeah which it gets me interested in, in what exactly it's doing with what it's eating. Right? Is it using that as fuel for its propulsion system, or is it just using it as like nutrients so it can produce the food and, mm. and incorporate it into its? Uh, um,
1: Probably a bit of everything in tissues? here. Because yeah. probably like yeah. taking some genetic material as well for the mothership, you know. Um, mm. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, both T and Akin seem to be glad that the channel was there bringing comfort. The shuttle was made out uh, of uh, like a plain gray sphere within itself, and let them decide how mm. it wanted to be arranged. So it was like an outer shell, something in between, and there was like a gray sphere inside that they were just sitting there, and they could like modify it in any way, like beds and sitting areas and stuff like that.
0: Mm. I assume like the other places in the the first room we yeah. seen, in yeah. on low, they can just kind of you know basically stroke the walls and they'll grow whatever they want.
1: Basically, yeah. <laughs> Although um, even a child could tell uh, um, tell it to synthesize... um, Sorry, it would keep air fresh and use any waste to produce anything they wanted similar to low. And although even a child could Mm. tell it to synthesize food, only Dichan could truly link to the ship and through its senses share the experience of flying through the space. He could only share that, though, after detaching himself from the shuttle.
0: Mm, Which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah,
1: and then... So this is a... I copy this hard paragraph from the book because it's mm-hmm. very important. I think it really gives in a a ex, um experience of what Akin experienced when um mm. uh of well actually what Tichan experienced from the ship and given it to Akin so Akeen hmm. seemed to drift, utterly naked, spinning on his own axis, leaving the wet, rocky, sweet-tasting little planet that he always had always enjoyed and going back to the life source that was wife, mother, sister, haven. He had news for her of one of their children, of law.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that we get this, this kind of... you know We have this subjective experience of the ship, yeah. right? It, it, we get what it's feeling, we get its kind of... Uh, uh, it's like paternal feeling towards low it's going to report back to the the mothership literally yeah. <laughs> Um about the how one of their kids is doing basically that's uh, yeah.
1: but he was in an empty space surrounded by blackness feeding from the impossibly bright light of the sun falling away from the great blue curve of the earth aware of all the body of the great number of distant stars so yeah it was using a photosynthesis from the sun um and to be fair like without the earth atmosphere you probably was getting quite a lot of and more energy than it would on the, on the earth itself
0: uh, a little bit i imagine yeah but uh, yeah it's, it's it's interesting that it has this um well I, I i wrote down photosynthetic it's not explicitly there but um i assume photosynthetic i suppose it could be like photovoltaic or something yeah. <laughs> but biologically it might well be photosynthetic but yeah you know it's doing something to to make use of the energy from the light of the Sun mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's two energy input sources we've seen right eats stuff and it, it gets light from the Sun so it's uh, yeah yep the, the usual Oh uh, on Kali type thing of uh, getting everything from the environment and using mm-hmm. it if they can
1: they were gentle touches and the Sun was a great confining hand gentle but inescapable no shuttle could travel this close to a star then escape its gravitational embrace only the could do that, powered by its own internal sun. Its digestion utterly efficient, wasting nothing. Everything was sharp, starkly clear, intense beyond enduring. Everything pounded the senses. Impressions came as blows. He was attacked, beaten, tormented, and it ended. One hmm. experience, oh, a very,
0: <laughs> very intense sort of sensory input. Apparently, that this ship experiences. Yeah. Oh. And I also like, like like the emphasis on like you know, it's aware of where all the stars are, right? It it's a, it seems as though it has, you know, some sensory capability in there that will be I mean useful for celestial navigation, right? Yeah. If it has the ability to just sort of uh, you know map out the positions of all the stars, it can use that to know where it is. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And, mm. and if, what's interesting is that the own internal sun, its digestion, utterly, mm. e- utterly efficient, wasting nothing. So. Does it mean there's an actual like a Dyson sphere? It's like a Dyson sphere, or is it more of like its digest it's Digestive system so efficient, it's basically like its massive engine. Like its core, it's just.
0: I mean, it would definitely <laughs> seem to imply something involving fusion, right? Own internal sun, I'd say, means fusion power for sky Tuck, not not the shuttle. Um, just to imply that. But like yeah, yeah.
1: an organic thing being able to confine a a fusion. Like I mean, we're talking about several million degrees of temperature in here, and the pressure—incredible pressure—for that to happen.
0: I mean, that only has to be very l- locally, right? So I mean, it depends what fusion technology you're, we're envisaging here, right? So if you're talking about um, a sort of tokamak-style plasma, um, uh, plasma confinement, yeah, type so deal, like where you have uh, super ongoing
1: magnets that contain that sort of i can imagine Mm -hmm. that magnets there will be electromagnetic field around it so that it confines that sort of temperature and that 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 source of energy but still
0: i mean that that's the the kind of extreme end of like you have a lot of plasma that you're keeping around for a long period of time and you're having to confine it to some degree and that it's it's unstable it's difficult to confine plasma that's part of the problem that we have with making fusion work um so but there are other fusion methods that don't necessarily require right. um like ongoing high temperature environment on a large scale right there's the um inertial confinement type methods with with big lasers where you just kind of squash a tiny fuel pellet into a, a small space and there's a whole bunch of variants on that right and then there's the um what do they call it the um uh Z-, z-, z something rather the w- one way they basically have like a, 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 it's a plasma confinement based method, but it's electromagnetic, so they have like uh, kind of linear plasmas and they like pinch them together, z, z pinch something like that. I forget what the technology is called. Right. Um, yeah, but that's kind of a much more localized thing where you know you have the, your. Um, nuclear reagents in the same space as one of these plasma rocks and they get squashed in a little space okay but none of those are particularly great for um like actually extracting the output of that yeah. into a uh anything other than heat um i mean my like pet favorite fusion technology which is a bit of a weird one um because it has such a really nice elegant um uh several really nice elegance aspects to it but i I don't know if it would ever work in practice it's yet to be kind of like really proven out as any of the fusion technologies have but it's one i find really interesting it's called dense plasma focus fusion okay uh so all you really need for this is an electrode some capacitors a vacuum chamber some boron um some hydrogen and um a coil to generate electricity right. in theory, right? It's Yet to be worked out yet. Um, but a couple of the nice things about it are um, the fusion reaction itself is um, PB eleven, right? So it's a proton with boron eleven mm-hmm. uh, as the, your inputs. Okay. Um, so you uh, you go up to twelve nucleons when you add the proton to the boron, and then it splits into three helium nuclei. Right. So there's no neutron radiation, right. which is really nice. Because okay. right? neutron radiation, really nasty, you don't want that. It has downstream consequences for um, making other stuff unstable. Right? Yeah. If a neutron hits another nucleon, then that can cause other things to become radioactive. So nice clean nuclear reaction that doesn't have any neutron radiation. Really great thing to have in your fusion reaction, but you end up so with an alpha radiation
1: because you have a helium uh, nuclear.
0: But but alpha is super containable, yes, right? Yeah, of course, alpha yes. is like yeah, that won't get out of the reaction vessel. Um, you get an X-ray flash, um, but it's not super high energy, um, and you can even potentially capture some of it with X-ray tuned photovoltaics. Right. But the other nice thing about it is, so the way that it works, uh, at least in theory, is um, I and mean, in the, the test reactors that they have so far for what they think is going on is um, you have these uh, plasma arcs, right? So you have a, a cathode and an anode and you just dump a whole bunch of electricity into them and they create these uh, like lines of plasma mm-hmm. and they kind of arc together into the central cathode, which is like a hollow tube and they sp- uh, sort of pinch together and then spiral uh, and they... Uh, spin back on themselves like a little toroid shape and you get this tiny little toroidal plasma Mm -hmm. that pinches and closes in on itself and that's what actually compresses the um so you have this electrode in a a vacuum chamber with the the gas um which is the the fuel so your hydrogen your boron yeah uh, and you just just pinches that tiny little coil of plasma, and that's what actually creates the confinement environment that's, that's high pressure and high temperature enough to, to create the fusion. So you just sort of fire off repeatedly uh, charging your capacitor bank and releasing this um, uh, plasma, and you get these little pinches. But every time you have one of those pinches, it re- effectively releases a directional ion beam, right? So you get a bunch of electrons at one end and your your alpha particles at the other, um, and they're quite lined up. And you can make them more lined up if you do some stuff with the magnetic Uh field, potentially. Um, But that means, you know, a nice directional flow of charged particles. All you have to do is stick a sophisticated coil of some kind in there and you've got flowing current. So this whole thing is like a static, um, a solid state fusion reactor, right? You don't have to mess around with any heat exchange or doing something where you're um, using the heat generated to heat up water and generate steam for a turbine none of that nonsense it's just solid state right you have nice directional ions a little bit of an x-ray flash stick some shielding on there and maybe even some uh like gamma-tuned photovoltaics and you've got something you could probably stick in a shipping container after a few years of development right so really nice uh, uh, theoretically it's a really nice system yeah.
1: Uh, in theory but in practice what are the limitations currently at the moment
0: uh in practice getting um the reaction to work well is is, is tricky oh, okay. um i think they've had issues with like the the electrode getting vaporized and poisoning the fusion reaction <laughs> okay uh, they, they, they don't have a lot of um <laughs> they don't have a lot of funding for it relatively speaking it's a pretty small project but the actual like um yields they've mm-hmm. got are really impressive by comparison with some of the other big projects right they're, they're way better than lifter if
1: it's something that's probably sounds really good it's going not going to be funded because at the moment it would solve too many problems and nobody wants to solve problems nowadays so hey <laughs> yeah, sorry to put it's a it's bit not of dark note on it, but it's true <laughs>
0: Yeah, but yeah, it, 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 there's a bunch of fusion stuff out there that's, that may well not be the best one, but I found it the most, uh, like kind of interesting and kind of theoretically compelling yeah. in that it, it has all of these really nice little features that if it just works out, then this is really cool because it has a, a really straightforward translation to how to actually convert it to making mm. power. Whereas most of the other fusion stuff, it's like, well, we're going to make the fusion work and then we'll figure out how to turn it into power. <laughs> but there's no, like, anywhere... There's no anywhere, like, plausible, straightforward way of making all of the heat from the fusion and translating it into something you could actually use to heat water. Mm. It's like, how are we actually get any energy out of this? Yeah. Whereas this one has a very straightforward path to making that some energy. That sounds
1: really interesting. Yeah. The, yeah. You know, there's... I do hope that these technologies will become more widespread in the future, but as the world is functioning at the moment, I feel like we'll not have even time to to ever develop these technologies because, you know, everybody's just ignoring things like global warming and stuff like that. So we'll not even have a chance to, to experience any of this good stuff. But anyway, enough of my dark eh, side. We'll figure it out. Dark, you know, <laughs> pessimistic point of view of, of, on this side. Let's continue with the chapter, I guess.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so well, we were talking about fusion because we think the ship's yes. fusion power, yeah, yeah. and we actually your point about like a Dyson sphere. I mean, we don't know how big the ship is per se, but we do know that it was like in orbit around was it around the moon or in like a similar orbit? I, I forget think exactly. It was similar orbit, a, I think. Yeah, which like I mean, if if it actually had like a solar mass. Entity, it would, and that was in the solar system, it would have like fucked up all the, orbits, yeah. Right? So I'm yeah. assuming it's not actually like,
1: no, some true. scale
0: because, no, yeah.
1: yeah. Although I don't mm. think it's going to be anything like that because it it mentions the digestion system. So I suspect it just has some some sort of, of a digestive system, like a stomach. Basically, that whatever it's given to it, it's hundred percent efficient. But I mean,
0: own internal sun. That that screams fusion to uh, me. I
1: would say it's more of like a core of of some sort, but like a planet or planet or core. But I don't know, made of organic matter or something that you know it.
0: But, I mean, remember, like, biology is just nanotechnology. Uh, I mean, yeah. It's slightly different packaging.
1: But I don't think we'll ever get any more explanation (laughs) to this stuff, so... Yeah, probably not. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just the reason why why I'm saying is that because when the first episode when we record and we're talking about the telio that those the slimy you know beings Mm -hmm. and we thought it was super you know superconduction and you know levitating over like so that's why i'm like a bit more Mm. like it's probably not technology in any form it's probably some sort of organic solution but but Mm. but
0: i mean there's there's no there's no real chemical energy solution that gets you to interstellar travel At, at, at reasonable pace in all likelihood i, I mean, mean to I, be fair, I suspect that it...
1: you don't need a pace mm-hmm. if you are making something you know like to stay in the space so
0: hmm. but i mean the, the thing does seem to be more or less or like nearly infinitely self-sustaining yeah. um with a the occasional addition of a few things that it loses to vacuum i I'm so telling you, it's I mean,
1: some sort of stomach and its propulsion is basically big fart bubbles that like t- t- push it through the space and th- that's basically it. And now you have in your brain a situation of giant ball just farting through the space. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Although, I mean, again, though, like uh, the that that might be a an issue for for long-term sustainability right <laughs> the whole point of this being efficient yeah. and wasting nothing is that it's that means some kind of propulsion that's not
1: um, one efficient fart just too much to start mass. it to a correct direction and it just goes
0: <laughs> but like the the thing that you have to do right to to get uh, to lose the least mass mm-hmm. when you're making a propulsion system is to get the momentum change by making the speed faster, yeah. right? That's the the whole way that like ion engines yeah, work yeah. in uh, that they use for satellites, right? So if they can accelerate up some some very small amount of mass to a very high speed, they can still get acceleration at a low rate, but not lose much matter.
1: Mm.
0: Um, so uh, maybe they've got something like that going on in there.
1: Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Uh, unfortunately, mm. probably we'll never know. So that's that's. Mm-hmm. That's that.
0: Yep, and it's largely irrelevant, yeah. but it's fun to sketch. Yes, scale. exactly.
1: <laughs> I'm still for a massive farting ball of flesh flying through the space, because that's just way too uh, disgusting and way too funny. Um,
0: it's, it's comedic, obviously. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very poor, poor, low level of comedy, but still funny. Um, so yeah. Akin could not have ended the feeling. He was lying down, weakened and in shock. The chan told him that the feeling he experienced was only a second long and was also cushioned by him. Um, Akin was confused why the shuttle feels what it feels, but chan simply tells him, you know, it is a being and feels things similar to how Akin feels things around him, um, just differently. Its feelings would hurt or maybe even kill Akin and his... um, uh, if he felt it directly, and his reactions akin's reactions would throw the ship of curse um as an adult, Akin will be able to mm. communicate with it normally when Akin asks the what To the ship entities get uh, what do those ship entities get from the onkali Chan tells him that they build them they are part of them. The showed akin their ancestral onkali creating the ships through their genetic memory from the earliest forms of trade and explained that the fact that there were no Uloi ships, so their seed was always mixed in Onkali Uloi. So the Onkali hmm. um, organelle and that Uloi mixing mm-hmm. is basically even for the ship. The ship can't do anything without the Uloi.
0: Yep. Although the, the ship is more of a um, a construction of the Onkali than some of the other organisms yeah. we've encountered, right? It uh, seems like almost a, a, a de novo creation of theirs from from many other organisms. Basically. Which, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a crazy bioengineering effort, right? Making s- space-faring organisms uh, of gargantuan size that may or may not have fusion reactors in them. I mean,
1: to be <laughs> fair, it's like, you know, if we had to hypothesize what we would use from the Earth, right? You probably, and it had to be fully mm. organic, you, you know, you'd go probably things like chitin, um, layer like outside, right, or materials similar to that because it's really you know tough and um, light and you know so that probably would we would go for something like uh, something like that.
0: Mm. I mean, uh, you might even end up having to go um, like for synbio stuff and making novel enzymes that can potentially, make new- yeah materials and yeah. stuff uh, but like in I mean, my like i just why not try and engineer an enzyme that can like spit out carbon nanotubes or yeah, something that right?
1: could be it as well like you know we mm-hmm. could to go full on like oh we're just gonna make you no know, all those materials that really give us amazing tensile strength but i was just trying to think of like what would animals and insects would you utilize to exist on the earth mm-hmm. and i would say it's like some sort of like um uh, what's the name of the the little um beings that uh, survive can survive in uh, like outer space um
0: oh the uh, tardigrades Yeah tardigrades
1: yeah you could probably yeah. utilize what they are utilizing in a much larger scale for like the, the survival of the like at least the, the the shell
0: um I mean I think a lot of the benefits that they get from it is a consequence scale, of their scale yeah. like because they're so small um they can um uh, like gravitational forces matter a lot less to smaller yeah. things, right? This is why, like you know, when you throw a spider out the window, it's probably going to be fine. It, it, I mean, it's, the the dominant forces are of on the scale of like uh, electromagnetic interactions, yeah. not gravitational.
1: Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's similar for like you know things like ants. You know, it, they don't die from fall mm. down. Da- they don't have fall damage, basically. Mm. You know, like in games <laughs> because. Their size, just like, you know, they don't, like, the terminal velocity just never exceeds anything that would deal any damage to them. But Mm -hmm. it's just, it's an interesting concept, like, what would you utilize on the, like, if you (laughs) sat down and be like, okay, I, so Tardigrade's, uh, uh, like, uh, um, outer shell you probably would have like we talked about this we probably have to have a very high like tissue metabolism like uh not metabolism but like um utilization or re- recycling of tissue around the outer shells mm, like a high turnover yeah because the... probably mm. the outer space radiation would affect it in some way
0: mm. or i mean that or just something that's very um static and uh resistance uh, and can be kind of grown out in layers almost yeah. right where you can uh just have the outside like peel off or be subject to some kind of recycling process where i mean so if you you can talk about it more in terms of like a whole ecology right because you can have other morphs that can go over the surface of the ship outside and like eat the outer layer off basically
1: like a bacteria eating the dead skin of the of the and
0: or like one of those um uh the fish that service other fish by eating the parasites ah, off of them and cleaning the dead skin that kind of thing um so you could have like a big tortoiseshell type deal where you have some thick layer of uh, a tortoiseshells keratin i don't know i think it's keratin Uh, Uh, yeah something like that yeah so uh, you have this kind of you know layered hair-like structure and you just keep growing that from the base layer of skin and it's then you, around have, it. you have yeah. the yeah just something that goes and eats the stuff off the top yeah
1: it's interesting so the the, the fact that the onkali have made control of of so many things with their um mm. by utilizing the oloys and everything is basically respond like requires an oloy in their uh, reproduction
0: yep the, the Uloi decide who breeds, and how they breed, and when, and what the mix is. It's uh, yeah, They're the, the focal point for all of the reproduction.
1: Yeah. And I think here, um, this chapter goes into a more explanation. To be honest, what we've discussed before about the mm-hmm. Uloi and construct Uloi. So, Akin points out that there are no mm-hmm. construct oloi, and D-Chan tells him that they feel more secure uh, when they feel more secure about the male construct there, than there will be. When uh, T asks why, D-Chan tells him his direct quote, they must be given more human characteristics than uncali-born construct males, Dichan answered. Otherwise, they could not survive inside their human mothers, since S, and since they must be so human and still male and eventually fertile. They must come dangerously close, dangerously close to fully human males in some ways. They bear more of the human contradiction than any other people. And, you know, the human contradiction, mm. as the uncle called, the intelligence and hieri- hierarchical behavior. Akin didn't feel mm. any of it in him, but De Chan tells him that they need to wait until he becomes an adult. In, Nikanj believes that its that its work on Akin is exactly as intended to be, but the Onkali need to see Akin's full maturity before a construct Ulo is created. And Akin points out that it will be an Onkali then, and nothing will be left of the humans. Dichan points out that Nikanj tells humans they are more symbi- symbionts, but whereas Akin believes they are predators. Why? And as Akin was watching Dichan and T silently communicate, Akin looked at them from the perspective of a human and found them horrifying and disgusting and basically predators
0: hmm. yeah and uh, just thinking of them as predators right they're a terrifying predator i mean
1: they are <laughs> like no matter what how when you can't describe they are hmm. predators you know the trade is only trade in the world in more cases you take and give nothing back i mean yes they hmm. give I, back I, I, they're,
0: they're probably not going to
1: die and mm-hmm. then you know they can modify their memories and be stronger faster whatever yes that's that's one thing mm-hmm. but in terms of like the fact that we still know that there's the onkali agi those that they don't mix with the mm-hmm. humans shows that these are very this is not a symbiotic behavior it's a predatoric predator predator-like behavior like predator like behavior or parasite
0: um, I mean, I, don't, I don't know because I mean I think the 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 Akjai shows that they are taking some kind of a risk with the trade right it, it shows that well yes yes of they course. are taking on the traits of the thing that they're trading with to some degree and that might not go well for them yes. uh, uh, so I but if you a... imagine
1: right you would have a safe, safe mm-hmm. uh, say a safe fail safes there I can't yeah. Hmm. sorry um basically <laughs> like i can imagine they on Kali be like yeah they don't we don't want this so they just release this pheromone and this pheromone just basically kills everyone
0: hmm. yeah and, and i mean that as predators you know they have this the sting they have the it's super advanced perceptual capabilities where they can just see everything they can move completely silently yep. They're just a a generally terrifying predator, and they're, you know, very intelligent also, so... They can breathe, they can stay
1: underwater, (laughs) have no problem, and if they want it, like now, they can literally regenerate themselves after sustaining some damage after a few hours, so... yeah, pretty (laughs) terrifying. Yep.
0: Although they're planning they're, they're usually not planning to eat you. <laughs> which are, they're planning to you know incorporate you into their, <laughs> I don't know what's worse. <laughs> into their breeding yeah. plan, which is probably yeah. worse. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: But yeah, the conversation continued between Akin and Dichan with the fact that the constructs are a change to the Onkali species that is taking place and it's a danger that must be controlled, otherwise there will be death uh, of their species. There's a fear of a human born male leading to the destruction of the construct species. But Dichan doesn't think so because the Uloi were very careful checking each step and each each other. And if they made a mistake, only Agjay will survive out of the tote and dinso. Mm. Um, the chapter ends basically with Dichan and asking T if he wants to taste the ship perception, and to Akin's surprise, the sibling asks Akin f- uh, first of his opinion of if it should do it. Akin tells it that it will hate the feeling, but it's a part of being an adult and it needs to experience it. And that's where the chapter ends.
0: Hm. Yeah. at the interesting little section there. I mean it's just kind of a you know, they're traveling from place to place, but we get a few interesting little revelations about the ship. We learn a little bit about the the fact that the you know, there's some risk to the the um, Toat and Dinso yep. branches yep. of the tree from crossing with the humans. Oh, we also learn that um, There are a bunch of similar male constructs to Akeen. Yeah. Right? He's not the only one they're watching. All of the trade villages have an Akeen that Theo and (laughs) and Kali are monitoring. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The prototype male construct.
0: Yep like, how much of a problem are these uh, human male constructs going to be Can you imagine,
1: you're being born, just got got born, and you're, like, more intelligent than, you know, average, and you're just being told, yeah, you're the first of your species, you're going to be a test, like, you know, if there's going to be, if we fail or not, and, like, can you imagine just this this feeling, like, oh, if something goes wrong with one of the other male constructs, and you're, like, yeah, these were, like, these are failures, like, I would oh my god, like, I would feel so shit mm. because of that. Like just because somebody made a genetic, like because they're playing around with genetics, and then they're like, "Yeah, this was a mistake. We need to start again." It's just like, wow. Mm.
0: I mean that that is a um, a very common trope of the genetic engineering genre, right? That's the you see it in. Um, i think, uh, Let's say there's there's orphan black, um, where the they're kind of genetically engineered there's um, I mean to be
1: fair in a lot of sci-fi where there's genetics involved it always they always goes wrong it's like oh the scientists should have first of all asked themselves not if they could it whether they should, if they should it, do it and you know <laughs> I mean come on
0: mm-hmm. yep there's um, a German Netflix series called Biohackers
1: you yeah, mentioned um, it before I think
0: yeah that's kind of it's got some of those themes in there um, I'm trying to think of other places in I mean, it's, it's definitely some some more classic sci-fi of, of the, uh, the genre. But I'm, I'm failing to come up with any examples. But yeah, yeah, that's the.
1: I think the most like mainstream one I can think of right now is Aliens. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Aliens. I don't know which number is. They mix the alien DNA with the human DNA.
0: Oh yeah, I'd forgotten that plot. Point. It's oh my! It's
1: but it's like Aliens five or six or something crazy like this. Hmm. maybe three or four I don't remember like which one I just remember this hmm. human looking like alien and uh, Sigourney Weaver just looking at it, like knowing hmm. that it's it's like it's her child but she needs to kill it sorry spoilers but the movie's like and ah, okay. also this it's not like spoilers at this point but um it's <laughs> it's just it's such a weird thing
0: no, I mean it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in um, in reality, right? Because yeah. and we talked we touched on this a little bit in our um, uh, Gattaca episode, mm-hmm. because that will uh, and it's it has already been a thing to some degree, right? The 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 three kids that um, uh, I was I can't remember his name the the Chinese scientist. Uh, who crisped those uh, three children to uh, genetic engineer, them, right? Uh, we've already had uh, a human example of uh, sort of a genetic engineering experiment in kids where they will grow up and learn that somebody experimented on them. <laughs>
1: as um, No, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. It's, we'll uh, see what will happen. Know. Mm-hmm. We, are, we will end up with this sort of cyberpunk dystopia where basically behavior where like, you know, when rich people can actually... You know like give it a bit higher muscle density, so he can be a sportsman and stuff like that and you know as things are hard already enough for people to like sort of to compete with now we have even further you know issue of competitions and stuff like that and obviously but mm. it's it's going to be a interesting thing probably in a few mm. decades I mean
0: I anticipate that eventually it will be effectively the yeah. norm. Right, that basically, so what we'll end up doing is genetically engineering out all of the known problems, and then...
1: It will start as that. That's the
0: first step, but then, so part of that will also be figuring out sort of what variant alleles in what combinations are a problem, right? So when you genetically engineer out one trait, it might be one what particular variant that yeah. has a problem in this context. But what happens yeah. when you combine it with also removing this other variant that's a problem in that context? Maybe together they're not a problem or together, or the absence of them together. create right? the, the another two, issue. Yeah. Um, might the two other alleles that are normally better on their own might create some other issue, right? So, that whole process of engineering out those will be yep. a thing, and then there's the stuff where we start getting into the space of enhancement where we start adding invariant alleles yeah. that are increasing or improving on some particular characteristic, yeah. and there we have the same situation. I, but I think that, um, like the, the risk associated with doing that kind of experimental genetic engineering in the population for those kind of minor tweaks i suspect will be like suf- way lower than the current risk of getting some kind of rare yeah. disease right um so it might well be something that we're willing to shoulder a little bit of risk for uh ongoing it depends on where it's
1: gonna happen like i mean in places mm-hmm. like if europe still is going to exist and uh, continue it's probably mm. not going to happen there but in countries <coughs> China, um where they don't have they don't <laughs> pull punches they will probably definitely uh, you know push things for you know for stuff like that you know there's definitely is going to be something like where they're just going to be like yeah there's money there's the you know willing uh, let's say inverted commerce um, uh, subjects that are happy to provide you know uh, means to create to create mm-hmm. babies and go for it go have fun
0: but i mean again back to the gattic episode remember what they remember their their uh promotion campaign where they asked whether or not they want whether or not people wanted to have their kids genetically engineered and a whole bunch of people yeah. signed up yeah. yeah there's there's plenty of willingness to do that in uh, in western cultures too
1: yeah it's gonna be fun isn't it <laughs>
0: Yep, should be very interesting to see. Uh, who knows what America oh, will boy. do. Whenever. Oh
1: boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I just, I, I'm, just, I'm scared for what's going to happen in the next few decades, if not century. Um, But with the speed we are going with the technology development, I th- I'm giving us few several decades. And by the time we're old and wrinkly, Richard probably will be hearing first about, you know, perfect babies, you know, like babies with... Uh, Superhuman strength, or like amazing athletes, or super intelligent brainiacs, uh, mega minds.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs>
1: I guess let's uh. on that note. Let's go to my chapter five prediction. Um, yeah. So obviously, they arrive at the main ship, and I thought I thought they will meet will meet with Chitaya and uh, you know, Nikanji's parents, like Kaguya, and you know, mm-hmm. the rest of the team, be like, Yeah, you know, that's where Dichan's gonna take them.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meet the yeah,
1: basically, meet the grandparents, like for the first time, I guess. That'd be nice. Okay. But then again, yeah. I mean, I know, t- mm-hmm. oh, wait, because Akhijes and mm-hmm. Dichan are siblings, so basically, they have the same parents. So actually, that's interesting, right? Because you only have two sets of grandparents, too? Wait, um, you would have a, you have an uloi which has a one set of parents, and it is
0: And the uloi, I think, normally go yeah, to a from different, different groups. So, so you, you still have so you of course. two yeah. pairs of grandparents. Yes, they so have two two yeah. pairs
1: of grandparents. But even though the family is a yeah. uh, three part family, mm. oh, interesting, interesting. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and imagine imagine awesome. like those kids that, for example parents are not the siblings and they have three grandparents wow the Christmas you know money would be amazing <laughs>
0: hmm. <laughs> hmm. actually that uh, makes me think again about what so there's one other thing that I think we didn't mention which was um I talked briefly about the like inability to deceive as being yeah. something that might contribute to the Owen political stability mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. their ability to sort of come to Consensus, as yeah. I like calling it, but the other thing I think might be interesting there is um, their kind of genetic memory, right? Their ability to 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 have or effectively a, a first-hand knowledge of really deep right. history. Uh, it, it, they can learn much more effectively from the lessons of their own uh-huh. history, uh, it, because you know, then it's not they're not just relying on cultural channels of communication to to transmit it down the generations. They can kind of, uh, you know, seek out and experience the genetic memory uh-huh. of it much more
1: uh, vividly. And where are you
0: going? To think about I mean, another... I mean, it's just another thing that I think might contribute to the, the, the political aspect. Okay, because I was... I mean, thinking about the grandparents got me thinking about I was just thinking about and something,
1: and it just that. made me yeah. realize something that I don't know if I would be happy with. Like, imagine you have the genetical mm-hmm. memory, right? Imagine as a human mm-hmm. having the genetical memory, and... Can you, like, Mm. all those memories of people that were involved and, like, you can... So the memories of, like, imagine, like, someone in your family, like, cheats on one another and then there's this, like, massive break and, like, this argument. Can you imagine, like, the generation of generations of, like, conflict within your family and, like, all these little aspects and stuff like can you imagine like knowing and remembering all of this nonsense
0: i mean it it seems like um, we kind of discussed it before we talked about the genetic memory that it's not all like immediately to hand right it seems like if you want to know something from the the past then you have to kind of go look it up or like seek it out in some fashion it's not like sort of intrusive thoughts type memories yeah but like triggered by just thinking but can you imagine things?
1: just going like oh you know i'm gonna check up my family tree line how like how how they were who they were their behavior kind yeah, of yeah i would f- f- hate that like i would literally be like nope absolutely no i please erase that memory from my brain like i would go to any or just like do all every give me an electrocution shock, mm. i just don't want to remember any of this like just thanks no like like can you mm. imagine <laughs> i don't g- can you imagine how much of, like, memories of, like, people basically banging would there be? <laughs> like...
0: <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and uh, potentially a lot of darker stuff yeah. in there from uh, from Yeah, so things. I yeah, just feel like the, this... this I, I feel
1: like humanity would break apart, crumble very quickly if we had access to all of that, just like, you know...
0: I mean, I don't know, though. I think it might... In terms of, um, like, the... uh Firstly, the ability to learn from the mistakes of others much more directly. I mean, yes, that
1: would be quite uh, good.
0: And the capacity to to empathize with people who were, uh, you know, different to you much more directly. Right. (laughs) I think that might actually be a... um, a, a, a force for not repeating no, no, mistakes in history in this case yes I absolutely
1: yeah. believe but I just feel like on like as humans we would have a like 18 plus section where basically you don't have to have porn because you could literally just look up anyone <laughs> I'm sorry just that was the first thing that I thought of I was just like oh god this is so wrong um No, I can't. No, wait. My brain is just going so much. but yes, I absolutely agree. Because you could literally emphasize, like you could learn from like experiences. You could feel the experience people you know had in the past, and I think that would really Mm. maybe make people think about. Hopefully, if they have like they're not complete monsters, to like what they people Mm. experienced. Right. Like I mean, there are a lot of issues that you know people nowadays we could probably solve is through like making people experience exactly what those people were experiencing and then I'm pretty sure a lot of problems that we experience nowadays would very quickly disappear if people were made Mm. even to listen to or experience what those people experienced
0: I mean it'll be interesting to see how the advent of like much more widespread video recording technology impacts future history right because and you know, assuming a decent chunk of that survives it gives us a much more
1: direct view god, of god all those tiktoks tiktok videos in, in era, 100 then. thousands of years people like yeah this is all my what they were doing it's like this is culture, like a a religious thing is like <laughs> god <laughs> no please stop no uh, yeah
0: so future archaeologists like interpreting the youtube archive oh my god god <laughs> <no.
1: laughs> Going down the rabbit hole of these weird <laughs> videos that you have and all the weird shit oh, that's in dear the weird content. God. Corners, yeah. <laughs> no. My god, oh, that's so embarrassing. Why? No, that, that should no. We should erase <laughs> those things and just leave the good stuff. <laughs> no, but like I mean, at this point are like we we're creating, I remember YouTube released like a statistic that we we're like creating so much content that would take like thousands of years to actually rewatch it. Like and I, I feel oh, like yeah, the yeah. future archaeologists will have like if this survives in what some format future archaeologists would have a field trip for decades and decades and centuries even. Like I mean can yeah, you imagine I mean, challenge?
0: Do you, I mean like assuming we have a continuous yeah. civilization right you'd never be able to keep up with it because the, the volume of material would yeah. just be growing forever you'd have to just you know you'd go back in the archive and, and look over some stuff from one period yeah, of time I mean, and be like okay well this is apparently what the
1: I mean like yeah. can you imagine like somebody just, just just like historian sitting and watching those 10 hour videos of just like you know like on loop of hey, uh, hey uh, you know like the song music on, ten, on loops or just like memes <laughs> on loops and it's just like 10 hours <laughs> i just <laughs> no
0: so apparently people in this era just sat and watched computers for like hours and hours at a time on the, fir, and the, on, with the thing yeah. on repeat in a loop <laughs> it's just like <laughs> maybe
1: it was some kind of ritual <laughs> part of a
0: religion <laughs> they always think it's some kind of ritual a part of a religion
1: oh boy oh boy mm. oh dear god <laughs> For the future uh, historians and chorologists, I really am sorry. I apologize for the name of the, our civilization, but we did bring this to ourselves. We will be remembered for yeah, all I mean, the, if this goes in we the all be remembered for all this nonsense instead of the stuff that um we should have. Oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I guess on that note, on that cheerful cheerful note, we should finish here. Yep. Uh, well
0: goodbye future historians i hope your experience of aurora wasn't too traumatic
1: (laughs) well i feel like the future historians will really need the proper therapy after this but yeah thank you very much everyone for listening we are xenothesis you can find all the places we upload uh, our episodes on xenothesis.com i was michael glinka
0: i was Richard acton goodbye